Hello and welcome to the Basketball Champions League Coast to Coast podcast with you from Regensburg, Germany. I'm David Hine and with me this week, a new voice. Uh, someone who has been uh, has been around and uh, has been behind the scenes, I guess, if you will, doesn't have uh, his uh, his face out there like Igor Deacon and I do doing some writing, but he does uh, do writing for the site, and you have definitely read his writing. It is uh, Dimitris Kontos, um, the website editor, I guess is what we can call you, the BCL website editor. Uh, Dimi, uh, thanks for coming on. Uh, thank you, Dave, uh, for having me. Um, just so that people know a little bit, uh, a little bit about you, um, what what sort of things are you doing for the site? I mean, obviously, I know, but uh, maybe just uh, what you, um, just so that people know, uh, kind of what you do. Um, I was uh, I was the original myself and Igor were the originals, uh, the original um, writers for the website when the PCL started um, back in uh, 2016. I left midway through the first season, and I've been back since uh, the start of the 2019 uh, season, 2019-2020 season. So in case you wonder why that season last year was uh, so atypical, I guess, you know, you have uh, you have the answer. It was, and, it was uh, you coming back. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think, uh, you know, karma and all that. I don't know, I'm not an expert, but I'm sure Igor would have a theory about that. <laughs> Um, Dimitris is a guy who's been around basketball a long time and, and uh, always have fun uh, talking to him. Uh, unfortunately, not as much time um, actually being around him. Um, that much more fun actually in person. Um, so Igor is actually on family break uh, this week. And so uh, emergency figured to uh, get Dimi uh, um, on here to uh, run down the week of action. Um, so basically we have a it, the in, in a you know paintbrush, you know o- you know overview. We had a th- we have now a three way tie in the one group, which we'll get to, um, and then there was the wild finish in the Brindisi Tofas game, uh, and, and our interview of the week we have Dylan Ennis of Casa de Mont Saragossa, really a guy that um, over the life of his time in the BCL, I've really been wanting to have on just because he's a fascinating story in so many different dynamic ways, and so it's. Uh, um, so it was uh, good to get him on. He'll be on later in the show. And let's start, as always, uh, with the standout performances. The, the the five guys that were picked were Keith Langford with his uh, strong showing at Strasbourg, 19 points, two assists, three steals, and a block. Josh Bostic uh, in that Brandizi win over Tolfas, 21 points, four rebounds, two assists, and a steal. Anton Estapkovic, uh, Nizhny Novgorod's uh, a surprising win over – I'm not going to say surprising win. Sorry, I'll take that back. Uh, over Turk Telecom Ankara, 19 points, 10 rebounds, four assists. Uh, Raymar Morgan, Kashiaka's win over Halone, 24 points, 12 rebounds, and uh, Georgi Sharmandini. Uh, uh, Tenerife over uh, Favriga, 25 points, seven rebounds, and all that in less than 25 minutes. He was um, he was a beast. Um, usually at this point, we just kind of you know say you know maybe somebody who you think um, uh, maybe could have earned a spot on the team. Uh, anybody in, uh, that you thought you know maybe could have uh, gotten in instead of one of those five. Uh, well, maybe not instead of those five. I, I, I thought this was uh, pretty. Um, this week, I think things were pretty clear uh, in those res- in that respect. But I would probably 
like to have an honorable mention for Andrei Voronsovitz, uh, Nizhny Novgorod, who, who uh, did his BCL debut uh, in uh, Wednesday's win at Turk Turkum. And I thought he was fantastic. And uh, also for uh, Sek Henry on uh, Pinar Krasiaka, because um, I thought, I, th- I think it was maybe his, his best game uh, Wednesday, uh, his best game um, in, in this BCL season. So, you know, maybe an honorable mention for those guys. But I, but I think the the team of the week or the, the standard performances, those five guys we have, I think, this week, it's pretty clear. Yeah, I I actually had Voron Savage. Um I mean, Stopkovich, uh, okay, great numbers. Uh, you know, Savage, uh, more on him later. But and 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 Henry, um, you know, I mean, it's hard not to take Morgan uh, with the game that yeah, he yeah, he sure. played as well. So, um, all right, let, let's uh, let's get into the action. Um, let's start with the games. Uh, first of all, only five games this week. Uh, COVID uh, hit hit uh, especially Group L. Uh, is that right? Um, yeah, well, uh, yeah, I, especially I, I, group. I, I don't think it discriminates. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, Group I, Happy Customer DZ, the uh, 70, 7775 victory over Tofas Bursa. Uh, Brindisi going to two and one. That is the the three way tie uh, atop Group I. The other game was Hapol Unet Credit Halone, uh, losing at home uh, 62. Uh, 72-63 to Pinar Kashiaka. Um, so I'll just let you start. Maybe you know two games to talk about. Uh, however you feel like starting. Uh, it has a very nice uh, three-way tie at the top, right? Grupa is uh, yeah. shaping up uh, very beautifully for for the final <laughs> stretch. Uh, I, I uh, you know, obviously you you have the uh, Brindisi beating uh, Bursa at home, and then. Um, Karsiaka beating um, Holon, who were on, on a tier, on a, on a tier for they had won f- uh, the last five straight, I think. So uh, I I don't know about you, Dave, but I, I was not so surprised um, about Karsiaka's uh, win. But maybe that's because Karsiaka were one of my dark horses. Uh, for at the start of the season so you know they've been their play has been a bit uneven so you can expect them uh, you can expect that the, yeah, their play to the BCL at least because in the Turkish league you know they're doing fine um, so this uh, this result in Halon uh, was kind of was sort of the thing I would expect from them I was more surprised uh, about Brindisi uh, holding on to to, to beat uh, Tofas because Tofas don't forget uh, you know, they arrived in Italy and uh, they were down uh, 0-2, so, you know, um, they needed to avoid the third straight defeat. But I thought uh, Brindisi played a fantastic game for the first three quarters. Uh, Josh Bostic, of course, was was amazing. He made his first uh, seven shots from the field. And and, and and in general, the way Brindisi has handled uh, D'Angelo Harrison's absence I think, you know, uh, no matter what happens from here on, you have to tip your hat to them. Yeah, yeah. Um, for me, first of all, the the Hapo, um, the Halon game, it's 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 weird that it's um, it's weird that it's weird <laughs> to actually have the fans in the stands. Yeah, yeah. There was like about five hundred. 
Yeah. And and alone obviously is known for its crazy crazy fan yeah. uh, crazy fans. So uh, they didn't sound like five hundred, um, which was really cool. But again, it's weird that it's weird. Um, so it was actually a, a, almost a, like a true home game, which 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 almost makes it that much more impressive that a team yeah. that like Karshiaka, who we've talked about various times, you know, they have the two BCL champs uh, in, in 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 on that team, and then you look at guys like Morgan. Uh, and Henry, who you know can take over games, and then you know you have Taylor and and by who just you know sort of deliver the you know and sort of keep the the ship on course um, if they're not taking over anyhow. Um, and 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 you know they 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 came up with the run when they needed it. It was a twelve two run uh, in the final five uh, in the final five minutes. Um, Any other game? What I wrote down was. Prindisi didn't want it, and Tofas <laughs> and Tofas couldn't take it. <laughs> go back, go back, and 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 go back and watch the final two minutes of that game. Even if you know how it's gonna how it's gonna end, and and there's it's 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 almost a, it's a mix of comedy of errors and and just you know. Uh, a heartbreak for <laughs> for uh, for both sides, you know, because you think that they're that that Brindisi is going to lose that lead, yeah, yeah, and then and then it's heartbreaking that Tofas couldn't pull it out with how many chances they had. So so, yeah, yeah. But, you know, you know, people. Uh, I mean, fans may accuse uh, a team sometimes that they didn't play with a sense of urgency and so on. But maybe in, T- in Tofus's case, it was the case that they played with too much sense of urgency. <laughs> I mean, it, it was so, you know, it, as you say, it was there for the taking. It's like Brindisi basically inviting them, like, you know, guys, I mean, we ran out of gas here. We're like, we, we gave it our all for 35 minutes. Here it is. And Tofus, 38 oh minutes. God, I, 38 I don't minutes. Know. I don't know. Can we take it? I don't know. Are, are we ready for this? I don't know. Um, let's think about it. So, you know, yeah, I guess, I guess you're right. Yeah, it was it was fun. Um, Group J, I think we can go probably quick. Um, yeah. Lenovo Tenerife, um, yeah. really just rolling past Fevriga, seventy seven sixty four. Tenerife two and one. Fevriga close to out of it now at zero and three, knowing that that Burgos and uh, and Tenerife, you know, plus thirteen also um, for, yeah. for Tenerife. So I mean, it looks like they're almost gone. Fevriga, you know, eighteen turnovers, a sixteen zero run in the. Um, in the in the first quarter, plus you had the no Madsen, no Scala. Any 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 other thoughts on that one? Uh, not really. I th- I think it was nice. It was good for Tenerife that you know they put up a, a, prof- a professional performance. Let's say because sometimes mm-hmm. yeah. uh, when you're out of action for a week and you're you you know you're coming out you're coming off a loss uh, as they as they were, uh, it can be a bit tricky. But I thought, you know, they they made it quite clear from the first quarter that this is not going to be the day where, you know, they um, they they struggle to find their, their rhythm or anything. So, looking at the stats at the end of the game, this is my last note. Looking at the stats at the end of the game, I was surprised that that Saline only had five threes. <laughs> it seemed like <laughs> it seemed like more than that. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Well, especially I mean, he's he's like so adapt to, to modern era basketball, isn't he? Because I mean, you know, like 15, 20 years ago, maybe people would say, "Well, he's not athletic enough. He's not, uh, you know, he's not running up and down. He's not strong enough. He's not whatever." But modern day basketball, he's like, especially in Europe, where you know, um, 
uh, defense defense you can hide some maybe uh, weaknesses on defense a bit easier than than in the NBA. Um, he's just. I, I mean, he bounced around so much in his career, and I can't believe that he didn't find, you know, that he it took him that long to find the perfect situation situation for him in uh, in Tenerife. But anyway, you know, all the better for Zeus, I guess. Yeah, I mean, he's using him for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Group K, our final two games: Ike seventy seven sixty eight winners over Strasbourg. Ike moved to two and three. Strasbourg at oh, sorry, Ike. Moving to two and O, Strasbourg yeah. to O and three, and then uh, Turk Telecom Ankara losing at home, um, eighty four seventy one to Nizhny Novgorod. Nizhny Novgorod moving to two and O. Turk Telecom down to two and uh, one and two. Uh, I'll let you start. Uh, which either whatever game you want to talk about. Well, uh, Tuesday game, Ike uh, Strasbourg, right? Because I was expecting more from Strasbourg. I know they were playing without uh, Bonzi Colson, uh, which is a huge, of course, uh, loss for them because he's their leading uh, scorer. But Ike were down six players. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you cannot really... I mean, you're down... Uh, you've lost your first two games. You traveled to Athens, really, really in desperate need of, of turning the ship around. And okay, you're 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 missing your, your leading scorer, but um, you know the, you will not find Ike any more shorthanded than than they were on Tuesday, right? And the way they just I I, I just thought uh, their mind was not into it. I, I I don't know what's what's the but I never really believed that uh, although it was a, it was a relatively tight game, but I never really believed that Strasbourg would make that decisive run, you know. Uh, and, uh, and I thought Ike, um, you know, they, they kept, uh, they dictated the pace basically, and we know which pace uh, suits them fine. <laughs> so, which pace are you talking about? Exactly. Yes, I think that would be the equivalent in, uh, <laughs> in speed mode. So, you know, I, I was disappointed by Strasbourg. I was expecting more. Um, and the other game? And the other game, uh, I might shock you, but I was not shocked by Nisner's, uh win at Turk Telecom. Mm-hmm. I think uh, I will save some of, of what I have to say yes, of course. later. Yes. But um, Good job. I, learning, learning man. <laughs> <laughs> but I thought Nisner played a fantastic game. I thought they were a joy to watch. I thought their bold movement was was amazing. I thought the way they incorporated um, uh, Voroncevic within what like less than a couple of weeks since he arrived. And all the guys, you know, enormously experienced. And of course, he could, you know, he he would be an instant fit almost anywhere. But still, I mean, and you know, let's not forget that Nizhny had missed a lot of players um, at the start of the season due to COVID and all those and injuries and so on. So watching them at full strength and the way they played together was was very was was beautiful. And Turk Telecom, I thought they were disjointed. Um, I thought the game basically at the start of the second, you know, they they, they were playing at home and they've pulled off. Great comebacks, and uh, uh, even this season, you know the way they came back from 15 down at Hapo Jerusalem, and they won the game on the road. But Wednesday, 
I just thought there was zero chance of a comeback. I don't know about you. It was close, man. They they got the twenty. It was a it was a twenty point lead in the fourth, and they ran it. They they ran off a thirteen zero run. Uh, but down once 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 got it down to seven, and then Komalov hit the three. Shepard hit the three. Game over after that. Yeah. But uh, and and really threes. You look at the threes. The um, really just ended up deciding the other game as well. Um, you know there was the. Uh, about six minutes left, uh, Strasburg was up by three, and then Chrysikopoulos hits two threes, Moretus hits the three, and then Moses hits the three too. So, <laughs> and it was and it was back to back to back to back, and and then it was a seven point game, and um, you know they only scored two. Uh, Strasburg only scored two points. Um, they only scored four points in the final six minutes, and yeah, and yeah, yeah. also only four. Uh, four of six free throws and you know and and you know if you're not scoring you know i always say go to the basket you know produce yeah. get fouls get the other team in foul trouble whatever get points on the board and you know only f- four four or six free throws i'm not 100 certain but somewhere when i was watching the game it seemed like they didn't have a free throw at halftime if they did that wasn't very many so all right um that uh, I'm, uh, sure. I'm, not, I'm not sure they didn't, but but I mean, you, you you know, you made a great point there because I mean, you know, Ike are missing both their their centers, right? And you're not going to the baskets, you know, you're not going. Yeah, you know, I mean, there's no rim protector there, so there's no uh, good reason for you not to drive to the basket, not to go to the basket and try to get to the line at least. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, Group L. Uh, we're not going to talk about you this week. <laughs> uh, let's move to let's move to overtime uh, stat of the week. I will let you start. Uh, well, my stat of the week, and I'm not counting uh, Nisni now having four straight road wins uh, for the first time ever in their PCL history. I'm not counting that as a stat. Good thing I don't uh, have that stat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, they had like uh, a couple of road wins over the first couple of years, a couple of uh, seasons in the PCL, and now they have four straight road wins with counting the one from uh, from Wednesday, right? But my start of the week is Kersiaka, because let's not forget that Holon started on a 12-0 run, right? I mean, uh, like late in the first quarter, he had the impression that Krasiyaka was still on the bus. They hadn't arrived uh, to the team, or maybe they were so shell shocked to see fans, fans in the, in the stands. stands. I, I don't know. I don't know. But you know, Krasiyaka didn't score for like six, uh, six and a half minutes, right? So they went down twelve zero. So, but what does what does a good team do, right? They, they attack deep. And rather than giving up, I mean, they came back, you know, they, they, they climbed their way back, but they gave up 63 points, only 63 points, which is the best defensive performance of the year in the BCL by holding Holon to 36% shooting from the floor. So, and Holon were averaging close to 85 points. Per is game. that what it was, 85? Yeah, okay. before that. And they were shooting over fifty percent from the field. Right? Yeah, they were the uh, they were the offensive machine so far, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know, to hold them to thirty six percent shooting from the floor and hold them to sixty three points, I thought uh, you know after starting uh, uh, down twelve, you know, I thought that was that was uh, that has to make start of the week. All right, mine mine is actually four, um, <laughs> and it's the number of missed free throws by Saman Criston. In the final 144 for Tofas <laughs> against Brindisi, he ended up go, actually going four of eight 
in the final 144. Again, go back and watch the final, just, just the final two minutes. Come on, go and take, you can fast forward through the timeouts. Go back and take, let's say, four minutes or whatever, and you will enjoy it. Um, he came into the game. He, so he's a regu- regularly, you look back, and 70 to 75% free throw shooter over the course of his career. And he came into the game tw- uh, 10 of 12 uh, so far uh, and then went four of eight, four missed free throws in the final 144. Oh, All right. Overreaction, overreaction Friday. All right. It's way, 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 way too late. But I'm going to put Voronsevich, uh, um, uh, Andre Voronsevich, in the MVP race. Uh, wow. You mentioned uh, overreaction, man. Um, wow. You know, I, I, I said, I, I said, I think he is one of the most underrated players in European basketball. Has been for years, all of those years at Seska. 15 points, six rebounds, five assists, three steals, zero, one turnover in 33 minutes playing for a new team. Uh, playing against Turk Telecom, so way, way, way too late. But um, let's <laughs> let's put him in the MVP race. What, I, what, I, what's yours? <laughs> I, I, I well, Eager always says I need to. I, 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 I say too too often. I go negative on my overreaction. So here's a positive <laughs> one. No, I, I have a positive one as well. But I have I I fully agree with your take on uh, on Borunsevich. I think he's been way underrated for way too long, and of course, part of it has to do with with him playing on a on a top European team for forever, right? Well, of course, that's a big a big part of it. Another part of it is that you know guys like like him they tend to be overlooked as and we refer to them as glue guys mm-hmm. or uh, you know good with it, good for the team or whatever. But Blue you know, the individual skill. I mean, we never talk about it. Uh, so I, I I wholeheartedly agree with your take on on, on him generally, but I, I think that. Even for overreaction Friday, inserting <laughs> inserting him now into the MVP conversation is a bit is a bit uh, is a bit too late. But but my overreaction Friday take is is related to yours because I now have Nizhny as a dark horse for the title. So uh, and and my 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 previous dark horse was Kasiaga. Uh, since the start of the season, I have to say that. My faith in them was uh, shaken sometimes over the course of the season. Uh, I and now I'm, I, I I put Nizhny on an equal footing with uh, Krasiljeka as my joint dark horses for the title. Yeah, I mean they, you know, I, I, the way they've dealt with the season, the way that the, everything else, you know, they just have the the Russian guys that just do their job yeah. and and go through it. Did you know? Uh, let you start. Yeah, uh, my did you know uh, factoid uh, has to do with Marcelinho, one of uh, I think everybody's favorite players uh, in the BCL in, in in basketball in general. Um, and he's a great guy, he's a great player, a great guy. And um, Marcelinho, who's played in just twenty five BCL games, right? Because let's not forget he joined Tenerife uh, last season. So in twenty five BCL games, Marcelinho Huertas has already become Tenerife's all-time leader in assists. He's got one 185 uh, career assists in the BCO. So that's that's 7.5, 7.4, sorry, assists per game. Um, so, you know, 
and you know, you, you might say, well, you know, being a club's all-time assist leader is not a big deal, but we're talking about a guy who hasn't even club, been a year and a half. Yeah, we're talking about a club <laughs> that has, been, has played in the BCL since the very first game, since the inaugural <laughs> game, the competition. We've play, we're talking about a club that has gone, I don't know, like made the final, the semi-final every, every year, every season. And the guy just came in last year. He's such a phenomenal player. He's already their the all-time leader in assists. So, you know. All right. Um, and this we actually address in the interview with uh, a little bit with Dylan Ennis. Did you know that Casa de Saragossa are 10 and 15 in the BCL and 3 and 11 against teams that are uh, in European competitions? Uh, nine of those losses are on the road. The only three wins they've had were against Gran Canaria, who are in the Euro Cup, and then the, the, the home and away games against Bilbao. So 3-11, and 11, Saragossa is in, in the Spanish league, just not getting it done um, against the fellow European teams. Coach yeah. of the year. Um, <laughs> Coach of the year, uh, for me, I don't think it's much much of a much of a discussion we've actually uh, talked about the team a couple of times already uh, and for me it's Soran Lukic what he's been doing with Nizhny the start of the the season uh, with all the, the COVID problems that they had uh, they went to Saragossa if I'm not mistaken with eight guys yeah. and and they and Saragossa needed I think that was the buzzer beater yeah. by um, by by Ennis um, and um you know he's and 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 really, Voransevich is the biggest name they've had, and he's just yeah. now with the team. You know, so and um, but you know how he gets everybody to play their roles and accept everything and and, and does it all in Russian. Uh, for me, easy coach of the year, uh, Zoran Lukic. I I agree with you, Dave, and um, uh, I have to say for the listeners that this is not. I didn't know your pick beforehand, uh, so uh, you know I, I had been sort. Well, for I, there's I for, in my opinion, there's no other choice anyhow. So <laughs> I've been sort of looking as well. Uh, he's for me, he's a front runner for coach of the year. I have three more guys that I think, uh, if the wheels come off Nizhny now, you know they're there, they're there waiting, uh, for, you know, for their chance. And uh, the three guys I have. Uh, behind uh, Lukic would be Orinamiel of uh, Era Nimberg, which I think he's also doing. He's, he's, he was already doing a great job last year. I think he's doing an even better job this year. Uh, Juan Peñarroya, uh, you know, of the reigning champions, Eredas uh, and Pablo Burgos, and Stefanos Devas of uh, Holon, because I think um, he's, he's playing the, kind of, the, the sort of basketball that he needs to play with uh, with, this, with the personnel at his disposal. Yeah, yeah. I, um, the the first two. Yeah, uh, Holon. If they make it to the final eight, then he's got a good. Ch- I agree with it. Um, also, because of his system and all that. I just, if he can, ma- if they can make it to the final eight, that helps his that helps his chances yeah. a lot. I, I think I think Lukic could probably even get it, even if they don't necessarily make the final eight. Like if they if they don't oh, make it so. on a tiebreaker or whatever. Then you could probably still get away with it. Yeah. Um, all right. Last last one. Surprise of the week. Um, I'll let you go. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay. I think a lot of people will be surprised with uh, my surprise of the week. I thought that I could beat in Strasbourg. Um, 
notwithstanding their many absences, was surprising. I I didn't expect Ajax to win this game. I thought they had to dig to dig deep, really deep, and you know the way they, as I said before, they dictated the pace and they took the game even worse. Strasbourg went up. Uh, you 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 still thought that Ajax would would come out with a win. Um, I thought that was surprising beforehand. You know, I would not have uh, have bet even ten years on on Ajax winning that game. So. Uh, I'm actually going to go. Uh, well, also this was uh, actually spreading. Um, was a lot of that run, a lot of that f- fourth quarter. Langford is actually on the bench, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, my surprise of the week is actually outside of the 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 BCL. Uh, it it incorporates a BCL uh, team, um, and actually, I guess just happened yesterday or today, whatever. Um, was actually Laurent uh, Lagnon uh, announcing that he was going to be leaving uh, Dijon. Um, at the end of the season to go to JL Borges, um, sixth season with Dijon, obviously the, all the success he had uh, last season, bringing them to the, the semifinals and taking third place. Um, going to an interesting team in Borges, I've been following them a little bit this season, Euro Cup. They were actually, I think, the surprise of the of the Euro Cup regular season. Um, and then, uh, and so the replacement will be uh, Kyle Milling, uh, who spent two years uh, with Limoges in the Euro Cup. So um, obviously, it, you know, it's way too early to know what will happen uh, if Dijon is back in the uh, in the BCL last uh, next season. But obviously, he's been uh, a face that that uh, BCL fans have have known for quite a while. And uh, you know, six six seasons is a long run, but uh, it seemed to me that that. Um, you know, for him to go to to Borges, I don't know if that says more about Borges or and less about uh, Dijon, but I just found that interesting. Yeah, yeah and, and surprising, and surprising. So that's my yeah, surprise. And, uh, yeah, it was surprising. And uh, in any case, you know, I, I, I wish him the best. He's, he's another great coach and, and and a very nice guy, a very nice guy. So you know, wish him the best. All right, so here's uh, let's go to our interview of the week. Talk to Dylan Ennis, the uh, fun, spectacular. Uh, player and person character uh, for Custom at Saragossa. So um, enjoy that. And we'll catch you on the other side. All right. So on the show this week, we have Dylan Ennis from Casa de Mont Saragossa. Uh, Dylan, uh, thanks for coming on. Yeah, thank you for having me. Uh, personality in the BCL that uh, uh, is always fun to watch. There's always a smile on your face. Somebody that uh, I've been thinking about uh, trying to have you on. Uh, all, last season as well, and figured uh, now's a good time to to get you on. Um, why don't Why don't we just first start off with maybe how you feel? You know, you you guys are are two and zero, uh, two and zero start in the in the playoffs. Uh, you guys mm-hmm. had a, a win in Sasari and a, a home win over Bamberg, who uh, took yeah. uh, uh, who won all three games on the road in the regular season. And it probably feels a little bit nice to have two 12-point victories after having a really close, uh, a lot of close games uh, in the regular season. Maybe yeah. it's your your thoughts about uh, the 2-0 start to the uh, to the playoffs. Um, you know, obviously a 2-0 start is big. You know, you start the playoffs, you know, on the right foot. Um, it's so hard to play catch-up in the playoffs um, in any league, um, but especially Champions League. You know, you have to travel, you have different type of teams that, you know, you don't get to watch all year um, because they're not in your pool. And obviously you have your domestic league, but 
because uh, we had that 2-0 and um, start and, you know, good wins. You know, I think everybody's involved. Everybody's playing, you know, great basketball together. You know, it definitely helps us uh, going in uh, to our next game, whenever that, that may be. Yeah, it looks like two weeks from now uh, we'll get back. We'll get to that later on. Um, let's yeah. let's let's move to the regular season. You guys started in thrilling fashion. Uh, DJ Sealer with the with the game winner in Poland against Start Lublin, um, and then you drained the long three at home against Nizhny. Um, was that second game kind of like uh, you telling DJ uh, I got it this time? Maybe just talk about the right, those yeah. those thrilling wins to start the to start the the season early. Yeah, of course, you, you don't want to, you know, get to uh, a game and down to the last shot. Um, but, you know, we were fortunate enough on both ends. Um, when DJ hit the shot, you know, that's, you know, one of my uh, good friends. And you know, I knew that if, you know, it wasn't me taking a shot, I definitely wanted him taking a shot because, you know, he hit, hit so many big shots um, since I've been playing with him. Um, and then when um, I hit the game winner, it was a little less pressure because it was a tie, tie game, game, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um but you know, it, it was it was a definitely a scramble play. You know, I think that's when I'm at my best when you know we need to find a shot, and uh, especially you know when the pressure's on. You know, I love uh, for the ball to be in my hands, whether that's a score to make a play for somebody else. Um, but you know, having both of those wins, you know, was very big because it could have went the other way if we were we started off 0 and 2. Um, even in the regular season, it's not playoffs. You have to play catch up, and you know, people start getting paranoid. People start. I think there's pressure on every game. So, you know, starting 2-0 um, in that fashion, you know, is great uh, to start the season. Uh, mentioned the close games. Uh, there was a, a nine-point victory over Falco and an eight-point uh, um, loss uh, against Falco. And then you also went to overtime and, and got a six-point win over Nizhny. Uh, those games were, were the other games basically in the regular season. Maybe just your biggest things you guys learned from the regular season. Um, you know, I think we learned that, you know, we could uh, win or lose on any given night. Um, we could win when we're playing our basketball. You know, we've been here. We've been to the uh, final eight, you know, with the same core of guys. Um, so we know if, you know, if we play our game, um, there's nobody that could beat us. But at the same time, same token, if we don't play our game, then, you know, anybody could beat us. And especially now um, in the playoffs um, against Falco, you know, we played – I think maybe a good three quarters, um, but that fourth quarter wasn't our best quarter, and that's where they really got us. Um, so, you know, going into every game, um, I think in the regular season, we learned we have to play four quarters. We have to play our basketball, or, you know, we could lose a game. You guys are having a lot of success in the BCL, but you haven't quite been able to match that success in the ACB uh, right now. You guys are 10 and 15. Nine of those losses are on the road, and and obviously Spain has such a such a high level of of, of talent, top to bottom. Um, you yeah. just you guys can't seem to be able to beat uh, teams, uh, other teams that are playing European basketball. Uh, maybe just mm-hmm. your thoughts about what's going on right now in the league. Um, you know, I think it's just you know coming in and you know doing our work each and every day, no matter who we play. Um, the ACB is such a tough league, and on any given night, you could lose to anybody. Whether that's you know the top teams, which are Euroleague teams, so um, you know going in up against them, your mentality has to be um, at the top. And then even the teams you know at the bottom of the league, they could still beat you. You know if they have great games. Um, so that's the 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 great thing about the league. But um, unfortunately for us, you know we've lost a few games that we've been up. 
Um, we lost a few games that we definitely thought we should have had. Um, but I think as the season goes on, we still have, I think, around 10 games. And, you know, we're trying to push for that uh, a playoff spot. Um, you know, it's, it's definitely going to be difficult because of, you know, how we started off the season. But, you know, if we just put um, string some games together, string some wins, you know, hopefully a few teams lose and we can get that playoff spot. But we just got to take it day by day. We got to take it game by game. I think if we do that, you know, we could be in good shape come the end of the year. Yeah, as you mentioned, it's always hard to to come from behind uh, if you are, yeah. uh, you know, in a hole. Uh, one thing about the team is that it has changed. Actually, um, uh, I mean, a lot of teams change, but you've seen a lot of guys, uh, you know, key players yeah. maybe go and 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 come in. And you, know, you saw DJ Seeley uh, leave, Luca Rupnik, uh, Jason Thompson, and the additions of TJ mm-hmm. Bray. Uh, Elias Harris, Jacob Wiley, just a couple of weeks ago, and then obviously uh, Coach Sergio yeah. Hernandez. Um, maybe, mm-hmm. how do you think this team is better now? Um, you know, I think we, I, I want to say small ball is our best thing um, because, you know, we're a running gun team. I think that's uh, what sets us aside our pace. Um, but because we have Jacob and we have um, Elias, you know, we're able to, you know, get up and down the floor. We're able to play in transition a lot. We're able to switch a lot on defense. Um, and I think we just have the pieces uh, to play the type of basketball we want. Um, obviously, we have uh, Tricky Down Low and uh, Hustis, who are big centers. Um, but, you know, we love to run. And, you know, Elias and Jacob allow us to do that, you know, every possession, even on makes. Um, so the makeup of the team now, I think, definitely suits our style best. You, you mentioned uh, previously the the final eight. Um, your matchup in the final eight was against Tenerife, and you had actually played against Tenerife uh, in the first game of the season, um, and yeah. uh, and had lost to them. Um, maybe so you go to the, you go to you go to Athens and, and you you beat them, and then you kind of get rolled by Ike in the semifinals, um, yeah. and then uh, you know weren't able to bounce back. Dijon uh, got the third place. Uh, so you kind of go yeah. home empty-handed, if you will. Maybe just you know, um, obviously there's the there's the you know bright spot of of getting of, of beating Tenerife, but maybe just how do you look back on on that competition? Yeah, um, you know, obviously you know we can't play ex- the excuse game, but you know, COVID definitely did a, a a number on us. You know, we were in such good shape um, with our roster last year. Um, you know, I think when COVID hit and everything stopped, um, you know, that really hurt us. You know, I was so confident going into last year with last year's roster and, you know, winning Champions League. But, you know, we got the shot at it because they were able to do it this year. And, you know, I think we just had a, a new team. And I, I don't want to use that excuse, but we had new players. And, you know, we weren't able to, you know, get over that hump of the the experience that, you know, um, the other teams had, but because we went through that with this year's team, you know, I think it helps us this year when we play, um, God willing, hopefully, uh, in the final eight, um, because we know what to expect. We know that there's going to be three games and we have to come with it every single night, uh, for those three games. If we want to win it, we, we like to kind of introduce our players to our, to the fans of the BCL. So, I mean, you grew up in, in, in Brampton, um, which is part mm-hmm. of greater Toronto area. I mean, it's on the other side yeah. of the airport, but let's call it uh, Toronto. Um, I saw yeah. you started playing basketball around uh, four years old, which would which would put it around uh, 95. 
which was also the start of the mm-hmm. Raptors. Uh, the this the and and then you know nineteen ninety eight you saw Vince Carter come in and uh, you know team him up with Tracy McGrady playoffs two thousand one. Yep. Maybe just what was it like growing up uh, with the rise of of the Raptors and and really um, from everything everybody that I've talked to over the years it's just the start of the of what is now the beast that is Toronto basketball. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was amazing. I loved uh, growing up in Toronto. I loved, you know, the basketball culture when the Raptors really started getting going. Um, I remember Vince Carter being uh, my second favorite player of all time uh, behind Michael Jordan. You know, I used to watch all of Michael Jordan's clips when I was young. But then, you know, Vince Carter being in my city, you know, I felt like he gave everybody, you know, hope. Because even though he wasn't from Canada, he was playing on our team. And, you know, we go to the games and, you know, see him putting Toronto on the map. So, you know, we wanted to do that growing up as well. Um, but then I knew, you know, growing up, I had so much friends and teammates who were so talented. And at that young age, you don't know what it takes to get to the NBA. But I would be lying to you if I didn't say, you know, I knew a few of my teammates would be playing professional basketball and making the name for themselves. And, you know, lucky, luckily enough, you know, I have a lot of friends who play professional basketball, some play in the NBA. And um, I'm just happy that Toronto is finally getting the credit they deserve uh, for their basketball community. A uh, couple of years after that, so looking at 2005, 2006, uh, Steve Nash takes the MVP uh, back-to-back mm-hmm. years. So you're around 14, 16 years old. Uh, you know, how yeah. important was that for you to see a Canadian um, uh, in Steve Nash, you know, be the absolute best player in the NBA? Um, you know, that that was huge for us um, because we grew up and everybody would tell us, you know, Canada's about hockey. You know, nobody's <laughs> ever going to, you know, be a, a star uh, playing basketball in the NBA. And, you know, when he broke that stereotype, um, I think everybody started realizing, like, you know, Canadians could hoop. And he it wasn't just him, you know, getting the MVP and being the best player. He, he put back so much for uh, Canada basketball, whether that's for the national team or mm-hmm. that's, you know, coming back and educating us, you know, on the steps uh, we need to take to get to the level he was at. Um, so Steve Nash is definitely uh, the pioneer of this Canada surge. <laughs> You you grew up in Canada, born and raised in Canada, uh, but I think maybe even argue a little bit that that you grew up in basketball. Maybe you know going to play public public high school uh, in the Bronx, New York. Um, maybe how did that time there in in New York, uh, which is obviously just such a hub for for basketball, um, how did that shape you? Yeah, you know, at the time when I left, um, New York was a mecca of basketball. You know, you had all the top recruits um, coming out of uh, New York City high schools and you know, going Division One, even Sebastian Telfer going to the NBA. Um, but it, it built me. It made me tough. Um, you know, they say if you could play in New York at that time, then you could play, you know, anywhere. You know, I was playing in streetball games. I was playing in pickup games. Um, you know, I was traveling to school um, on a bus, a public transit that took me two and a half hours. Uh, just to get there every single day. So, you know, it made me the, the basketball player and the man I am today. You know, I always said, you know, seeing my interviews, I said, if I could get through uh, living in New York and playing in New York, there's nothing in this world that could phase me. And, um, you know, it's helped me throughout my career. You mentioned the interviews and, and there's uh, there you've, you've been uh, very present out there in uh, on podcasts and whatnot. And 
and and your college story is is well known, and 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 BCL fans um, can can really go out there and, and listen to uh, a lot more in detail. Um, I, I don't want to go into it too much because there's too, there's so many other topics that I would like to talk to about. Um, mm-hmm. But but maybe just um, a couple of things. Maybe just what's your favorite memory of of your six years in college? Um, uh, yeah. So let's say your favorite memory, um, which I'm sure there are mm-hmm. quite a few, and then also maybe your toughest memory. Yeah. Uh, my favorite memory um, definitely had to be uh, playing on that Final Four stage. Mm-hmm. Um, there was so many fans there. Like, I've never played in a football arena. And just to know that, you know, my six years, it was uh, for something. Um, if we would have got bounced in the first round, obviously I would have appreciated my six years and everything that happened. But um, to know that I went out being a Final Four um I guess, finalist. Um, it was amazing. You know, the whole experience, I got to experience it. It took me six years to get there, but <laughs> you know, it's definitely worth the wait. Um, I had uh, my wife there who was my girlfriend at the time. I had my family there. So, you know, it was, uh, nothing uh, less than special. You're, uh, you're doing very well with, uh, setting me up for segues. Um, besides getting, <laughs> besides writing, getting ready to become a basketball player on the court, um, you also got, uh, really a, a battering by the injury gods, if you will, um, yeah. in, in life lessons. Yeah. But college also gave you uh, the chance to to meet your wife, as you as you said, and and the mother t- mm-hmm. uh, to your child, um, Amaya, Amia, yeah. Amia, Amaya, Amaya, um, and then also chance yeah. is on the way. Um, Megan was yeah. was also a basketball player at, at Oregon, and and also went through a lot of, of injuries. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Maybe how how much did that? How much did going through that time with her help you? Oh, you know, it's big, uh, you know, both of us going through injuries um, and helping each other through it. Um, I always tell people they start dating when everything is good. You know, you go to the movies, you go to lunch and you're in a honeymoon phase. Um, but we started with, you know, at the toughest part of our lives, you know, both of us being injured um, and we were able to push through with each other, you know, to get through it. So I always said, you know, we started at the bottom, even though we were happy with each other. We started at the bottom. We figured out how to pick each other up. And I think because we had that, um, that experience early together, you know, it helped us in our relationship um, throughout. And I think, you know, whenever we're faced with something now, um, it's, I wouldn't say it's easy, but um, we've been through it. So, you know, we're just like, all right, you know, how are we going to get through this together? That's cool. That's cool. Um, first, your first season in Europe, uh, you start with Mega and then stay in Belgrade and, and go to Svezda uh, and play the EuroLeague. Mm-hmm. And then you, you finish with Saragossa. Um, I mean, you know, that's not a very common first year to, yeah. it's not necessarily, uh-huh. uh, it's not necessarily uncommon for, for, for a player to go from one club to another, but to, to go to, um, you know, to go from a EuroLeague team to then a Spanish ACB team. Uh, you know, it's, yeah. it's pretty, pretty, you know, pretty unprecedented. Maybe just how, uh, looking back, how, um, how wild was that first season over here? Yeah, you know, it's crazy. Um, and I, I don't think, I think I was able to adapt, uh, well because I transferred, uh, so much, whether I was high school or college, so I had that trait mm-hmm. to know how to adapt to my environment. But, you know, being a professional basketball player for the first time and playing my first year in Serbia, um, I was fortunate enough, though, because uh, Misko, my agent, he was the owner of Mega B Max, and they've had guys, you know, to play there um, before who, you know, 
playing the NBA. So I knew that, you know, they knew exactly what they were doing. And, you know, I didn't know Misko at the time. I didn't know anything about Mega or Europe. But uh, he told me, you know, if you come in here and do your thing, um, I'll definitely uh, make sure that you're playing at the top European uh, teams um, because, you know, I believe in you. So, you know, I took that chance. I bet on myself going to Red Star. You know, it was a crazy experience. Um, playing yearly your first year, you know, you can't beat that. Um, obviously it was short lived, um, because, you know, I had other plans that didn't coincide with the team. Um, but then finishing out in Zaragoza was amazing because I think it gave the ACB a chance, uh, to see the player I was. And because that happened, I was able to come back next year to the ACB and play for Andorra. And obviously, you know, I love all the European, um, leagues, but, you know, Spain and the ACB is definitely one that I favorite. So, no, it, it was a it was a long year. It was a crazy year, but uh, it showed me a lot about Europe, and I'm glad it happened. Media man, Segway master, uh, Andorra. You mentioned <laughs> them. Uh, that, that was the 18-19 season. You know, really a beloved club from a principa- principality uh, that Andorra is. Yeah. Um, and, and you guys, you know, you had a magical run: Euro Cup semifinals. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, basically. Uh, undefeatable at home. Um, you, you, you reach the, uh, the Euro Cup all second team as well. Uh, going to the semifinals, uh, playing with that club. Um, you know, they were in the second division just five seasons earlier. Uh, maybe just how fun was that season, um, for you? Oh, it was amazing. Um, you know, we still have a group chat now that we talk in, uh, every now and then. But, you know, I have to say that was the closest team I've ever had, you know, with Andorra. It was just a bunch of guys who may have not had a big star name, but, you know, we all loved each other. We all, you know, did our part. Um, Coach Ebone, you know, it was, I believe it was his first year um, at Andorra. So, you know, he really wanted to, you know, set the tone. And, you know, for us going so far in EuroCup, you know, it was a run that, you know, I always remember a while playing in Europe because, you know, it was, it was exciting. It was the first time I was able to play, get close to winning a championship. Um, and, you know, I think that was one of my favorite years, uh, so far playing overseas. And then started last season with, uh, Monaco. And then, uh, in, in November, you know, as you mentioned, you're a guy who, who, um, you know, is, is, is not afraid to move, not afraid to take a risk, sit out a year and whatnot. Uh, and then came back to, to Saragossa, um, in November of yeah. 2019. What made you decide to come back? Um, you know, I talked to, you know, my, um, my agent and, you know, with Monaco not having the start we wanted, uh, they wanted to make a few changes. Uh, they brought in Norris Cole, you know, talking to my agent, uh, we just thought, you know, with a guard heavy lineup already and also bringing a veteran with Norris Cole, um, he knew there had to be changes somewhere. And, you know, he asked me if I wanted to, and I said, you know, I, I'm one to, you know, fight it out. You know, I'm going to go compete every night. But, you know, if he thought it was best for me and there's a better situation, um, then, you know, I'd leave. And he found a better situation in Zaragoza. You know, it was, he asked me, would you like to go to Zaragoza? And I didn't even hesitate. I said, uh, yes, almost <laughs> even before I asked my wife. Uh, but luckily, she loves Zaragoza as well. So, you know, the move was perfect. You know, I came into a winning team. I was a little nervous that, I didn't want them to start losing uh, because I came, but you no, know, we kept winning. The fans were amazing. They welcomed welcomed us, 
and uh, we had an amazing year. You know, we ended third in the ACB, which I believe, you know, we could have made a lot of noise uh, going into the playoffs. But I do have to say, I'm not going to tell everybody that I like moving anymore, especially with uh, the <laughs> second kid coming on the way. So yeah, right. I hope last year was the last time I had to move during the year because uh, we couldn't do it again. Yeah, during the year, has got to be really tough. Yeah, uh, be- uh, yeah be- pack up the whole house and everything. And it's very tough. While you have games and then you're learning every you know new teammates and everything else. Um, exactly, yeah. There's a lot to go into it. Before we continue on with Zaragoza and, and, and basketball, I guess, if you will, uh, we like to uh, have our fans of the BCL uh, give them a chance to ask questions. And first one is mm-hmm. J underscore Casado, Casado underscore B. What's your favorite place in Zaragoza? Ooh, favorite place has to be Porta Vencia. It's uh, the mall here that we go to almost every day, if not every day. We get our Starbucks, we can shop there. Um, there's a place where our daughter is able to play. Uh, so that's definitely my favorite spot. Jorge Perez underscore, why, why always number 31? I looked and uh, everywhere you went, Rice, Villanova, or, uh, Oregon, Mega, Svezda, uh, Saragossa, uh, Andorra, Monica, the only place we always had 31. Looks like the only place you didn't have it was playing for Jamaica in 2012, but that they only had five mm-hmm. to uh, four to 15. Um, and you chose yeah. four, so I guess three plus one is four. But why? What's yeah, with what's go. with what's with thirty one? So um, when I was going to college, um, they asked me what number I wanted uh, before I got to Rice. And uh, when you're in high school, everybody changes numbers. But you know, I knew going into college, you know, that's how people are going to know you. And uh, a guy named Sebastian Telfair in New mm-hmm. York City. Um, I'm sure people know him. Came out of high school. You know, I idolized him. Um, he was in New York, and he was the big name in New York when I was in New York, and I just wanted to be exactly like him. And 31 is not a common number. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't want to pick a number that everybody had. Um, so I was like, you know, I love Sebastian Telfair. 31, not a lot of people have. And I'm sure if I switch teams, it's going to be rare that somebody has 31 already. So, you know, once I got it, you know, I just kept going with it, and it's been doing me good. And I can't change it now because I got a tattoo of thirty-one as well. Have you uh, have you been close to not getting it? Uh, when I went to Andorra, they said that uh, Mickey Vitali, who actually played on Bamberg, it was great seeing him uh-huh. last game. Okay, uh, they said he wanted thirty-one as well, but luckily enough, he said he didn't mind changing his number, so we didn't have to duke it out for thirty-one. Okay. <laughs> um. Yulia Atrulake, not sure exactly the pronunciation. That why do you choose the name Chance for your child? Uh, it's a wonderful uh, name. Only curious uh, with little hearts on the uh, Instagram message. Of course. Um, you know, we wanted uh, to do a unique name. Um, I'd lie to you if I could take credit for it, but you know, my wife, she's been uh, researching names uh, since we had Amaya. And, you know, Chance was uh, a unique one she came up with. And, you know, she presented it to me. I said I loved it because, you know, it's different. Um, mm-hmm. But it's not uh, too different where he could go into a job interview and they could say, you know, who is this? So, um, you know, I thought it was uh, unique uh, but not too outlandish. Uh, and I think uh, we loved it, you know, once she told me and, you know, we stuck with it. Cool. Um, 
Busco, uh, Bosco, opinion of Red Star fans. You've mentioned them a couple times here. I know that's a crazy place yeah. to play basketball, Belgrade. What do you think about the fans there? Yes, that's exactly what it is. I think Red Star fans are the craziest, most passionate fans I've ever experienced. And, you know, I loved playing there every single day. Um, they still support me no matter where I go, whether it's come back to Red Star, good game, Dylan, we still miss you. Um, you know, Red Star and Serbia, you know, will always have a special place in my heart. That's why I started. Uh, that's where, you know, the fans showed me so much love. Um, but, you know, Red Star fans, you know, I love them to death. You know, I wish I could take them uh, to every home game because, you know, they definitely rattle uh, the other team more than anybody I've ever played with. Uh, underscore Papaliel, underscore, what's your opinion about the GOAT of European basketball? been around now this is a good one couple seasons now in europe Mm -hmm. um yeah well you know with the older players and i'm still you know doing my research and learning so much more about you know the european players who came uh before me um as far as european goat you know i have to say spinulis i played against him watched him seen so much respect uh from the players uh for him um so i definitely have to say he's the european goat um, for my generation, as um, a guy who's not from Europe, I'd have to say for, I guess, Americans, but I'm Canadians, is Carl, Carl Hines. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's such a strategic part in, you know, Americans adapting and, you know, changing. And I think he came over here and he took such a big part in, you know, trying to change the game and not in a bad way, but you know, for the players, whether that's American players or European players with that new players union in Europe. Uh, so he, he's definitely um, a staple in European basketball as far as Americans. A guy who went from the second division Italy to the EuroLeague. Exactly, yeah. He, he worked hard. You could see the work he put in. Yeah. Um, he carries himself so well, and you know he has the resume to back it up. Uh, you're very present, have a lot of fun also on social media, uh, uh, various, all, all the channels. Um, uh, I'm, 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 I'm starting to say I'm getting older and uh, don't know all of them. Um, but maybe w- how do you, how do you like to, how do you want to use it? Um, you know, first off, first off, you know, I, I use, you know, social media um, a lot. And it's not just for, you know, people to see, you know, what I'm doing um, as far as, you know, likes and, you know, engagement and all that. But, you know, it's to connect with people um, and it's to stay connected back home. You know, fans are able to watch, you know, all the funny videos I mean, my family does on the post. And, you know, they, you know, message me um, and I'm able to interact with the fans. You know, I, w- I like to break that wall from just being a basketball player. You know, I want them to see the the real side of me as well. Um, but I also, you know, back home, I, I know that not everybody could watch our games. Not everybody, everybody's time uh, zone is different. So for me using social media, they're able to stay um, connected with my career, what I'm doing, you know, what my family's doing. Um, so I definitely use uh, social media as a platform, um, not just for myself, but, you know, for everybody watching my journey. You mentioned the, the, the tattoo of the number 31. Uh, obviously, we see a lot of tattoos. Uh, any favorites and, and why? Um, I have, yeah, my favorite, I, I have a lot of tattoos. I, you know, it's one of my um, favorite things to do. But uh, my favorite one definitely has to be uh, the one that I have on my forearm uh, right now. You know, it's me as a little kid. 
and it says, I am him and he is me. And I think the reason why that's my favorite right now is because I get to look at it and, you know, look at the younger me and know that, you know, I'm still, you know, improving myself every day as a person and as a basketball player. But I could look back and say, you know, I'm I'm making uh, the younger me proud, making um, the younger me, you know, want to grow up to do the things I'm doing. You know, hopefully I'm still doing that with, you know, the kids that are watching me as well as a basketball player, as a man, a husband, um, a father. Um, if I'm able to, you know, change somebody's perspective in a positive, inspiring way, um, then that's uh, so important to me. Uh, your your brother is Dylan uh, Tyler Ennis, who uh, obviously BCL fans were really hoping to to watch uh, uh, to see him at uh, Turk Telecom Ankara. Um, maybe give us if if you don't mind, give us an update. You know, we really haven't heard anything about where he's at. What's what's he up to? Obviously, he's trying to get uh, get back to uh, health to maybe get back and play again. Maybe if you can give us a health status update and and if there is any sort of mm-hmm. timetable for his return. Yeah, so, um, you know, he has a house in Houston, um, and fortunately, he's able to, uh, he built a small gym in there, so, you know, he has a personal trainer, comes in, you know, works him out, you know, he sends me videos, he's actually documenting um, his whole journey uh, of recovery, so, you know, hopefully he puts it together when everything's done, but, you know, he's looking great, he's looking healthy, Uh, he's been through a big injury before, you know, I know Achilles is, you know, one of the biggest ones. But, you know, he's had a freak injury and he knows the work he has to put in. Um, I don't know how how he's so tough mentally. Um, he seems like he hasn't lost a beat, seems um, upbeat. Uh, I know he's he wants to come back to Europe. Um, he's not trying to take a year off. And I think some teams would definitely take the shot on him. You know, I know it's an injury. Uh, it's tough to come back from. But, you know, his game is something you don't see every day the way he's able to get everybody involved his experience he has and the basketball he's playing you know before he left mm-hmm. um so you know i'm i'm very hopeful and um i know that somebody will take a shot on him and he'll end up on a good team and you know hopefully we can play against each other or play with each other uh, sometime in the future how much fun would it be to play with him oh it'd be amazing uh, the only time i ever played with him was half a year in high school and then, you know, just open runs in the summer, you know, me and him have this connection that, um, you know, it's hard to talk about because you can't explain it. You know, I just know where he's going to be. He knows where I'm going to be. Um, I think we complement each other so well and being a pass first, but aggressive me being a scoring guard. Um, you know, I think it would be one of my favorite years playing basketball, but, you know, I hope it can happen before we decide to retire. Listeners of the podcast, um, know that, uh, I'm, 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 I, I really enjoy your game. Um, I would imagine that if I was your coach, that my blood pressure, uh, and heart would probably have some trouble, um, especially at the end of games, which I've been open to say, um, um, I saw I saw an interview where you said I love to be erratic. I love to run and gun. Um, yeah. How would you, you know, what 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 sort of your mind frame? Maybe let's let you know because I, I sort of mentioned that you know at the end of the game, whatever, you know, what what's your sort of mind frame? You know, in in sort of clutch moments, end of the game, whatnot. Um, you know, as crazy as it sounds, you know, I think I feel most comfortable, you know, during those moments. You know, it's not something you can you know, teach somebody, you can't teach somebody to be clutch, but you know, I've loved it 
uh, having the ball in my hands. You know, I practice tough shots. You know, obviously you're supposed to practice your spot ups. You're supposed to practice your moves that you go to. And I do that, but I do practice those tough shots and those tough moments. So when I get there, you know, it's second nature to me. And I always feel in those moments, everybody is scared to take the shot. Everybody's scared to make the play. And yeah, I might not make the right play every single time, but I know that, you know, with the ball in my hands, I will make sure that, you know, I can do everything I can to win the game for my team. And, you know, if that means taking a shot or making a play, I'm going to do that with no hesitation. You know, all the nerves go out my body when it's clutch time because, you know, I know I want to be the guy to either win the game or lose the game for my team. And, you know, when I look back on the game, whether we won or lost, you know, I'm happy that, you know, I was able to, you know, be in the position to make us win or lose. Yeah, I mean, uh, even though the highlights don't show it, but uh, Jordan actually did miss some game, some some shots at the end of the games too. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and you can't, you're never going to hit the game winners unless you take the game winners. You're going to miss a couple. You're going to make a couple, but the only way to find out is to shoot them. And I can't lie to you, I like shooting them. Yeah. Um, you guys won't be back in the BCL for another two weeks, um, and it's it's unclear. Uh, what the two games uh, look like with Nimbrook. Uh, maybe just talk about the keys for Saragossa getting back to the final eight. Yeah, um, you know, obviously, you know, with COVID, you know, we just never know what could happen. Um, but, you know, that's why we got to stay locked in, you know, every day in practice. And when we have a, the opportunity to play, we just got to do what we do best. Um, you know, I know it's going to be a tough road to book that final eight. We have great teams in our um, in our group, and you know I know if we keep winning, they're gonna wanna beat us because we're gonna be at the top of the food chain. So um, we gotta play like we have that target on our back, but also put the target on our opponent's back, you know, knowing that you know they're coming to beat us. Uh, and if you guys do get back to it, uh, you know, much of the team from uh, from Athens is back from last season, the end of it. Uh, how much motivation will there be to win it this time? And then become the third Spanish team to uh, win a BCL title. Oh, you know, it's it's so much motivation now. You know, us being there and falling short. Uh, you know, we want to go there to win it now. You know, we don't want that same feeling that we had leaving there. Um, and you know, to make history. You know, we've seen Burgos do it, and they play in the same league as we did, we do. So, you know, why can't we? You know, go out there and win it. You know, some people get. People say, you know, you get scared to lose, but some people get scared to win. You just never know, you know, what it takes, you know, to get there or, you know, how the feeling's going to be after you do. And, you know, I think we're hungry for that. And we know we have a good shot with this roster, with our momentum. So, you know, hopefully at the end of the year, you know, we can look back and say, you know, we did it. It's always fun watching uh, watching you play. It's been fun talking. Uh, Dylan Ennis, Custom on Saragossa. Thanks for your time. Stay healthy and uh, good luck and and uh, all the all the the best and good health and to to the misses and 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 hopefully the the, the birth whenever that comes uh, goes well. Mm-hmm. Thank you, thank you, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Okay, um, yeah, you know. Um, uh, <laughs> Erratic, uh, you know, it's a word that he used in an interview before, and uh, you know, we've talked about it on the show uh, a number of times. I don't know how I could really um, 
with, with you know, have a, have a strong enough. I don't know if I would have a strong enough heart and 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 low enough blood pressure to have him uh, uh, making the decisions and everything else at the end of the game. He's he's come through, but still, some it's so it's so crazy. Sometimes it's fun and exciting. Uh, but uh, but anyhow, great guy. Um, you know you've uh, you've you've been able to to see him, witness him. Uh, what are your thoughts on on Dylan Ennis and what's it like having a guy like him? You know, giving giving so much life uh, to the competition, both on the court and on social media. Let's say. I, I think, as you say, it's it's great fun for us. Uh, we're not uh, Casa de Monzaragoza fans to watch him play. Uh, watch him take the last uh, the last shot. Uh, but if you're a Zaragoza fan, um, as you say, I mean, you have to have nerves of steel because <laughs> you know it's it can be it can be the highlight of the week or or a big disappointment. Uh, but but I, I, as you said, I, I love his energy. I love the fact that um, he's he's not gonna he's never gonna hide, right? I mean, he's never gonna hide, no matter how high the stakes, no matter how tough the situation. No, no matter on the court or social media. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but but obviously, you know, he's uh, we're different generations with with Dylan. So uh, I will never be. Uh, I will never understand this uh, in uh, the, the way he's immersed in social media. But I think uh, he's like a typical sort of person who's like, you know, if I'm going to do something, I'm going to give it my all. You know, I'm not going to do it. Uh, half-heartedly or whatever, you know. So, and I like the way, you know, I, I think his teammates love him. Uh, and I think that's important, right? Because he's not he's not a ball hogger. He's not like the guy who's like, uh, his teammates don't like to play with him. He, I think they love the fact that he he owns it. You know what I mean? Uh, no matter what, he, he will own it. And, uh, and he's also a guy who's very involved there with uh, social programs in uh, Tharagotha. He's... Uh, He's the face of the club in, in a lot of very nice uh, social activities uh, that the club is doing and, and uh, locally. So, you know, I, uh, I think he's a, great, he's a great addition, he's a great presence uh, both for the club and for the BCL as a competition. All right, let's move to the uh, games next week. Uh, run through those really quick, uh, just highlight. Uh, so in Group I, there's Kashiaka um, against Halone, uh, both teams 2-1. and one. Uh, group J, um, going through the alphabet without them <laughs> listed that way. Uh, Tenerife, um, uh, at home against, uh, Igokea, two and one Tenerife, uh, Igokea at one and one. Um, group K has Nizhny Novgorod, um, against, uh, Turk Telecom Ankara. Uh, so the return leg, if you will, uh, two and O, oh, uh, Nizhny and one and two Turk Telecom. And also Strasbourg at 0-3 hosting Ike at 2-0. and And the Group L game, uh, Rosa Bamberg hosting Kastamont Saragossa, 0-2 Bamberg, Saragossa 2-0. Maybe a game that you're watching most. Um, yeah, I think, I think so, yeah. I think, I think Bamberg, Saragossa uh, is, is promising to be uh, a, a very exciting game. And I have, you know what, I have a feeling that Karsiyaka Holon will be the exact opposite. So it will be a high-scoring game this time. The exact, the exact opposite of this week's game, I mean. Yeah. Um, I, I'm actually... And the Bamberg won, of course, but but uh, I, I, I really want to see uh, Nizhny and Turk Telecom. Um, I mean, in theory, they could almost... Um, I guess... 
I can they can deliver a really huge blow to to, to Turk Telecom if they can uh, manage that home home win. Um, and there should be fans there. I don't know if the band's playing, but. <laughs> <laughs> Um, band always plays. Yeah, Wednesday, Wednesday just has two games. That is uh, Group I. The other game, Tofas hosting Brindisi. Tofas playing for any sort of life they might have at zero and three. Brindisi, one of those three teams at two and one. And the other game, another team almost dead. Uh, Fevriga at zero and three hosting uh, Herida San Pablo Burgos at two and zero. Um, probably watching the Tofas one just because uh, they actually have a little bit, uh, seemingly a little bit more of a chance to, to get into it. Yeah, 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 yeah absolutely, absolutely. It's it's less chance alone. Well, for both uh, Vev and, and Tofas, but I think I think Tofas stand a better chance uh, of winning than uh, Vev do. All right. Um, so if you want to follow us on Twitter or Instagram, the handle is at basketball cl you can like us on facebook you can subscribe to the podcasts leave comments there you can check out all of the coverage on championsleague.basketball also read dimitri's stuff uh without name the others have to think ah there's no name maybe it's there's him. no byline um subscribe to the youtube channel uh check out the mobile app uh go find us on twitch which i'm sure timmy is so busy on uh, info. Young, young people are info, <laughs> info at Champions League is the is the uh, the email address, and all the games are on uh, on <laughs> all of the games are live and on demand on LiveBasketball.tv. Yeah. Um, Demetria, any uh, final words um, yeah, to I, to I, everybody else? So I just I just want to add that next week we also have a Thursday game. Uh, we get the um, the Nizhny Novgorod uh, against I. That's right. This is the big okay. week where they they, they yeah. do too. Which uh. which could you know was it was supposed to be when it was rescheduled. It was supposed to be the clash of the two uh, top teams in the group, and it might it might still be by next Thursday. I don't know if both I and Nizhny Novgorod win on Tuesday, but if both teams have gone three and zero. Uh, by that point, uh, you know the winner of that game will 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 secure a place in the final eight. So, you know that would be that would be a, an amazing an amazing game. That could very well be end up to be a game of the week. Yeah, that's the um, Ike two road games. Yeah, and uh, yeah. and and Nizhny two home games. Um, yeah. So it should be should be fun. Uh, sorry, flying, flying uh, from Strasbourg and yeah. flying from Strasbourg, and and then a day and a half yeah. later playing uh, at Nizhny yeah. with fans. So yeah, with fans. Yeah, yeah. So, so you know, uh, that would be that would be great fun. Yeah. All right, fantastic. Uh, can't wait for the action, and look forward to uh, talking next week uh, about everything that's going on. Should be a, a really fascinating week. Uh, Dimi, thanks for coming on. Appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Uh, and with that, we'll talk to you next week.